Hello and welcome to The Gray Area, where I give interviews with developers, talk about gaming news, and give you unique insights into the industry. My name is Genesee Gray, and this is the 119th episode in a show with Dark Tonic Game Studio. 119! Yes! Welcome to the show, guys. Excited to have you. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Tuesday, October 10th today, and we're going to talk to Eric Bozeman, CEO, Creative Director. Hello, Eric. Hiya! Jared Sweeney, AI designer. Jared, the two R's. (laughs) And Dave Farisi, lead environmental artist. Hi, Odie. Odell Atkinson, writer, voice, actor. Hello. How does that work with with games that are less episodic and more kind of brawler, platformer, um, maybe less uh, story-driven, etc.? How does that kind of meld into games like this to walk me through like how the writing works with something like this it's a it's an area i'm not as familiar with uh so all right yeah uh so with this um it's more about the player interaction and things like that so we start off pretty much writing for the characters as independent fun uh you know just entities just kind of having fun with who the characters were and are um finding things in the history about them and and having fun with that um, is this what I but, ask you about Lizzie? Because Teddy and Tesla, I completely get that. Liz, who is Lizzie? <laughs> Tell me who she's is, amazing. I need to know. She's she's pretty great. I had a lot of... Oh, yeah. I think she was the first character we wrote Barks for. Is she based yeah. on a historical figure? Because Teddy and Tesla, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah. Lizzie Borden was a uh, a killer. Uh, there's this big... It was one of those kind of trial of the century uh, kind of deals. Um, back in 19... It was right around 1920, I think. Um, 1915, something like that. Anyway, um, and, uh, she is famous for killing her parents and, well, allegedly killing her parents <laughs> and, uh, getting away with it. Uh, she, she, uh, the she got out scot-free. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but she, she famously killed her parents with a hatchet. Uh, so it was this horrible, horrible murder and, uh, this young lady got away with it. I think, um, Christina Ricci did like a, a, made for tv movie or something about it too Mm -hmm. Um, it was a showtime show maybe yeah something like that um sounds like someone should be perfect for that but it's fun it's fun finding the 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 comedy in that you know kind of the dark sense of humor with that um for the listeners and then even just into the bra i just jumped ahead like they probably don't know who that is we'll we'll get into it (laughs) be patient (laughs) listeners continue um so yeah so we're starting with the characters first and just trying to find who they are and having fun with them and, and poking fun at history a little bit as we go. Uh, finding really interesting things. There might be some esoteric jokes in there that you might not get unless you were at least a little bit familiar with them, not trying to be too uh, cryptic about it. Um, uh, but that's not to say also that we're not there's not an overarching narrative that's going to be in the game as well with our, our, our villain Rasputin. Yeah, so, I mean, to answer your, your question about, like, how does it fit into the gameplay, um, there's a few ways that we're sort of squeezing in story um, while you're playing the game. So, you know, we're, we're not going to have, like, big detailed cutscenes or anything like that, but as you're loading missions, we'll have some characters tell you about, like, where you're going and why you're going there, and as you start missions, um, the the same thing, and... Uh, similar to Diablo, we'll have little scraps of, of paper to pick up that you'll be able to check out later. And um, these these scraps will be like journal entries uh, lost from 
uh, our our big baddie who's uh, who's Rasputin, and um, you know maybe some other stuff just for for fun and and color and a little bit of historical context and things. So you know just uh, as you play, um, like not only will you be able to pick those things up and you'll hear these like pre-mission um, guides, but the characters will be you know having some some banter between themselves. Uh, we have a, a ton of voice acting planned and and uh, a, a fair amount already recorded, um, and so they're going to be uh, just you know sort of flipping crap to each other. Uh, if you played Overwatch, you know before yes. the missions actually start, you'll you know every well most missions I guess you hear a couple of characters interact with a, a little bit of banter and <laughs> banter we're trying to do something similar but maybe with a little more. Um, a little more edge or uh, a little more sort of uh, frenemy kind of vibe. Okay. Okay. So the question I always like to begin with is what is your news of the week? So Eric, let's start with you. Uh, news of the week is we're just busting our asses working on Kickstarter, trying to get this whole project uh, in, in a place that looks really cool. That's our, our main goal is we, uh, well, we, we've been working to make sure the game is fun, and now we want to just make sure that that gets presented well to everybody. Okay, we're going to talk about Legends of the Pearl in a little while. Um, but until then, what is going on in your world, Jared? Uh, I'm glad TwitchCon is over. I didn't really get a weekend. So oh, you doing went? promotional stuff. No, I was at home doing a like, promo. Okay. Yeah, wasn't lucky enough that's, to be on site. But yeah. That's all of the work and none of the fun. Yeah. But, no. <laughs> you played your part well, though. I did. Okay, Dave, how about you? Uh, Eric kind of stole my news of the week. Uh, yeah, just kind of working alongside with him very closely on uh, all the Kickstarter stuff. Uh, not a lot of sleep, uh, a lot of coffee, but uh, it's good. And Odell, last but not least. Uh, yeah, I'm just editing my, uh, YouTube videos right now. I, I run a, a, a show on YouTube called Magic Monday, but you could probably find it easier by searching my name because apparently there's another big segment called Magic Monday. <laughs> I didn't do my market research. <laughs> Bakers. Yeah. So what is that about? What makes Monday magical? Uh, Ma- Mondays suck. So I try and, uh, bring some Disney into everybody's life and kind of poop on it a little bit. Um, because no one is without sin. Um, so that's, that's mostly what that is. It's critical thinking and looking at characters in new lights and things like that. There's an article going around about Disney princesses and what they would look like if they were pregnant. I don't know who thinks of these things, but that's what's trending right now. Yeah. I think there's also another one, Disney princesses and if they were refrigerators is another one. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's, that's a creative thinking. Yeah. And a lot of hate for Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Dark Tonic a little bit. Give me some background on how you guys all got together. Were you friends ahead of time? Uh, uh, That's a good story. Um, so um, I, I started the company uh, in Austin when I was living there. Uh, I was working for... Um, I just transitioned, I think, from uh, Mock Science, which is a, a small um, contract indie studio there, Um they were eventually bought by Challenge Games, which became Zynga Austin. So uh, a couple of the games that I worked on there um, became properties of uh, of Zynga. And then 
they uh, they killed them because that's what that's what big publishers do, um, which really is part of the reason for wanting to start my own studio, um, so that we're not sort of stuck being beholden to uh, to to big publishers and uh, all of the junk that comes along with that. So there's some nice parts about that with um, steady paychecks, but there's a, a lot of junk that goes along with it. So it's really attractive <laughs> to be uh, in indie and Right at that time, I mean, this was this was some years ago now. So right at that time, like XBLA had uh, had just really started to take off, and um, there was uh, some. I mean, just the the tools for indie development were getting more and more widespread, and so the timing was really good uh, as far as uh, it being accessible to get into the serious market and not just want to do some you know little flash game on Congregate or something like that. I mean, those games are cool. I'm not dissing those at all. Um, it's just um, I've I've always wanted to make uh, much much bigger projects than uh, than something like that. So it it had been an idea of mine to uh, to start a studio for a really long time. And um, like I say, the, the timing was really good. So how did you end up with Jared and and Dave and Odell? Jared will have to refresh my memory because we we were working on our first mobile game. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, it's been a while. Um, it, it, yeah, it was is a long time ago. So we were working on uh, Attack of the Wall Street Titan, which was our our first mobile game. And I think he found us on Twitter or something like that. Um, yeah. We we brought him on to do some QA and testing, and uh, he was super valuable for that. But uh, Jared, you probably remember it a little bit better than I. Why don't you go ahead and and tell your side of the story? Yeah. Well, I was th- I think three months out of high school, and I had got my first QA contract actually. In my senior year of high school in sculpture class, it's when I put in all the time. I was on contract for uh, one of my relatives, and I sort of carried that experience over. And like Eric said, hit him up through Twitter, and then I came on board Dark Tonic doing QA for the first two mobile games we pushed out. And that's when I started sort of dabbling in production a little bit. And then got into programming, and now we're on this game where I do AI designs. So it was just kind of a you know, mentorship did you find us on Twitter, or was it yeah, like from our first Twitter. Kickstarter or something like that? Because I'm no, it was, it was Twitter. It, 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 you remember what you were searching for? Because I, I can <laughs> I never no find idea. anything. I, I honestly don't. I think I saw the email I sent to you in like 2012. Twitter's the Craigslist. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's a whole other remember. thing, Dave. Oh, okay, okay. I, I really don't remember. Honestly, it was I, was. I looked at Wall Street Titan. Like you had some some stuff on the original website. And it was, you know, attracted me, and I decided to reach out. Hashtag new up. friends. Yeah. yeah. No, Dave. How how did you get roped into this? Uh, money? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I had been working at a company in Tampa for a couple of years, and uh, it was kind of stagnating, and they were letting people go every month. And uh, right before I got married, uh, they let me go. <laughs> so I was. Uh, hitting up uh, a lot of resources trying to find new work and uh, came across Eric and, you know, what, what he was working on and whatnot. It looked like a really cool opportunity. And uh, we kind of just hit it off. Was it, uh, was it think, Dev Map, maybe? No, uh, I think it was LinkedIn, actually. Huh. I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, it was through LinkedIn. Um, yeah, because the, the whole um, – the indie thing, I think, is really cool because, I mean, everyone on the team gets a voice – you know, if you, you have concerns about something or you think this would be 
a cool idea or whatnot, I mean, you're more than welcome to, to talk about it, and people will actually listen and take it into consideration. So you, you don't feel like you're a cog in a machine. It feels like it's an actual team project, which is very appealing. How about you, Adam? Let's see. I was on Facebook um, complaining to somebody that I couldn't find any work recently. <laughs> uh, and then, lo and behold, it got tagged, and uh, Mr. Bozeman here picked me up, and he and I started talking. And that's yeah. uh, about six weeks ago. Something like yeah, that. it was. It's not actually been very long. So I no. posted on Facebook that we were looking for a writer, and uh, a mutual friend just said, "Hey, o Odell can do everything, so why don't you <laughs> hit him up?" And uh, I was like, oh, "Oh, all right then." And so we we chatted, and yeah, he 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 dug the project and some of the silliness that we had, and you know, I I really uh, enjoyed his sense of humor and in uh, a lot of the work that he did previously. So he's just a really great fit for our project, and. Um, mm -hmm. And there you go. I, We've been I begged him. I, I begged him. That's that's just. <laughs> let's not be modest here, Eric. Yeah. Right. I need work. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you're looking. I'll do a song and dance for you. <laughs> okay, Eric. Can you walk us through uh, Legends of the Brawl and tell everyone what's about and what they could uh, anticipate visually? <clears throat> I've had a chance to play, I guess, the sandbox demo a little bit. Um, but for those who haven't seen it, can you describe the game? Actually, I'd like uh, I'd like Odell to take a stab oh, at that. Yes, I'd like the to words. hear how he, he's presenting. <laughs> Odell and the words. Yeah. The wordsmith, go. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> so walk us through what the game is. Yeah, tell tell the story of the game. Uh, tell the story of the game. Okay, so um, uh, we start off with Rasputin, who is um, trying to selfishly save this own little world that he lives within himself um and uh to to save his world he needs inspiration to figure out the problems and to to bypass them and to to save uh the empire that he lives within and uh, to do so he begins to uh to uh steal the dreams and the inspirations of the world's greatest geniuses and future legends of the world people that will be recognized as legends in the years to come um and uh, as he does so um he gets, uh, well, it doesn't go great for him. Uh, eventually it all kind of backfires and all of the great world's inspirations and things come flooding into his mind. So that includes all of the dark people as well. Some of the, the world's greatest murderers and things like that. And, uh, so as time goes on, he kind of goes crazy and, uh, starts to grab more and more of the inspirations. And these are kind of the intellectual properties of, uh, the world's greatest geniuses. So they all band together. To uh to stop this this great uh this great theft and impediment upon uh, progress. Excellent. So that's it in a pretty pretty small nutshell. Okay. So to sum up the actual game though, uh, so that that's sort of like our our basis of how the world gets started uh, and how these characters fit into it um, with uh with their their nightmares sort of coming to life. So um, uh, but the game itself it's a, a four player co op. Uh, action brawler and we've uh, got an emphasis on fast playing missions um and just sort of goofy gameplay so uh the the game itself like each match should be really fast to play uh, a lot like overwatch um uh definitely faster than uh your your average moba so what we want to do is give you a game that that you can play in like three to five minutes um run through a match with your friends um go uh collect some coins, kill some enemies, um, complete some objectives, 
and some daily quests and then sort of get on with your day. So we want to make something that uh, you can play um, like before work or on lunch, something like that. Um, or, you know, if you want to just sort of geek out and, and uh, play all day, it, it will work for that as well. Uh, so uh, that's the general concept there. Um, but uh, the, the longer term stuff is like uh, building out your, your heroes with uh, new powers and uh, abilities. You'll upgrade those guys over time. Um, and, uh, craft new loot. So we've got a loadout system similar to, uh, like cards in, uh, in Star Wars Battlefront and, um, uh, similar shooters where you're, you're basically crafting your strategy. So there's, there's games like, um, like Battleborn and, uh, and Heroes of the Storm where you're upgrading your characters as you play. And this is more of a, a long-term sort of, uh, almost like a deck building strategy for upgrading your characters. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, and so that's the, uh, the sort of foundation for the, the, the character progression. Um, and you can tell whose department is whose. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, backtrack a little to attack of the wall street Titan where you're looking at, at the time, it was uh, current news going on with Occupy Wall Street, etc. So how does that, the kind of political environment around, or some of the things that are happening you know, in the real world, influence some of the games that you decide to do? And, and does it besides that one? That one was something um, rather specific. So what we wanted to do with our first game was uh, create something that was pretty simple, that could be made quickly, um, since we were learning uh, Unity at the time, it was Unity three, so we were, um, you know, trying to come to to grips with a new tool set, and we wanted a project that was small. Um, we came up with this, this sort of general idea. The original thing was kind of a Monsters Incorporated take, where um, you'd be like sort of harvesting, um, you know, I don't know what whatever essence from from people, and by actually squashing them with your finger. It was a little bit horrible, um, but but pretty funny and sort of charming in, it, in its own way. Uh, but when the Occupy Wall Street thing was happening, we thought it would be really fun um, to sort of support that and poke fun at it at the same time through uh, through this game, which uh, is so we didn't really have to change the gameplay concept, just sort of change the presentation. And it was fun to, to sort of poke all the, all the Trumps running around, basically, and... Um, the thing about game development is uh, everything always takes longer than you expect it to. Mm -hmm. So when we released that game, um, the people had already left the park. So it, we, we sort of missed the window there, uh, but the experience is still pretty fun. <clears throat> and um, it's still a, a, a great game while you're just sort of um, killing time, whatever. Gotcha. Dave, uh, as lead environmental artist and someone who's working with Unity, how does kind of creating the own feel of each game uh, interact with, I guess, the assets you already have in Unity, etc.? Because looking at some of these games, um, especially like the one that's coming out now, Legends of the Brawl, where you can kind of see like the mist and, and the environment, the light seems to play a big part in that game, etc. So tell me more about environmental art and, and some of the games, maybe some of your favorites or influences. Cause I think I can kind of sense some of them. <laughs> um, well, uh, some of the, some of the influences have been like, uh, we wanted a, a nice aesthetic 
instead of uh, graphical quality, if you will. Kind of like if you, you look at the like the new shooters that come out, like they're very graphically advanced, mm-hmm. but they don't have a lot of aesthetically pleasing attributes to them. So like they'll look great now, but take a shooter from like four years ago and look at it, and it looks bad. Like it's just it looks dated and old. But if you look at games that are more aesthetically pleasing, like World of Warcraft or like Borderlands, you know, something in that kind of style that doesn't rely on graphical capabilities, but instead relies on aesthetic art abilities, it looks better down the line. So it, it stretches a game's life out. Like if you look back at like Wind Waker for GameCube, like that still holds up really well, you know, because like, it, it was just it, it looked pretty. It wasn't wasn't graphically demanding, but it, it looked very pretty, and uh, I think that's a big influence <clears throat> uh, on games right now that we're, we're trying to emulate here. It's just kind of a, a nice painterly, kind of pretty look to it, while not going in your face. You know, all the all the high tech uh, shaders and whatnot. Just trying to get a good base look that will uh, last a longer time. Makes sense. So, who's doing the animations for all of this? And I assume maybe you're texturing on that. Who's handling all of that? Uh, so, I mean, we've got a, a pretty good sized team, um, and we've uh, we've been fortunate to work with uh, a number of different schools, including the Art Institute of Seattle, um, to uh, hook us up with some really quality interns. So, these uh, a lot of the animations you see were actually done by uh, a, a couple of interns. Um, Christy Clausen and Ian Chen and, um, some of the character art even was, was done, um, by, uh, by interns. So what, what we're doing is sort of like continuing some of their, their studies and giving them some real hands on experience and guidance. Um, and definitely really. Mm -hmm. Red, you had some thoughts on interns. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, yeah, so on, uh, on Gama Sutra, yeah, I put together an article about, um, about the whole legality of, of interns. Um, cause when, when we started out, um, I was uh, assuming that, uh, that an intern was basically like, um, just more or less somebody that will do, um, whatever you need, you like a gopher, but for free. Um, and, uh, reading about it, it's really just not legally the case at all. If, uh, if you've got really specific demands for, uh, for the people and they are not, um, and they're producing more value for you than the value that you're providing them in training, uh, or experience, then, um, they're essentially acting as an employee. And if that's the case, then, um, I, they need to be paid as an employee. So that's something that we're, uh, really like cognizant of and, uh, and careful about to make sure that um, anybody that's, that's working with us in that type of capacity is receiving a lot of, um, a lot of care and attention and, uh, and really helping to grow them as, uh, as artists. And, uh, yeah. Like, um, who was it that just went to Arianet that was working with us? Uh, I get names mixed up. Yeah. That. Uh, was that Steven? I want to say it was Steven. Was it, I think oh, it, was no, it was Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. Like he yeah, came Patrick on Cooper. and, his stuff was pretty good, but, you know, we, we helped mentor him to kind of get more with the game style, and he really, really took well to it. And uh, he was with us for a good, what, like six, seven months, maybe? 
Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and just to see from where he started at to where he got to in his just in his artistic capabilities was really great. And you know, we're sad to see him go, but we're happy for him at the same time that you know <laughs> we could take what he learned and use it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, so we've we've probably had I think five or six interns come through that we've we've helped grow and then move on to uh, bigger studio jobs. And the reasons they move on is because none of us make any money. So, <laughs> which, which is really a terrible way to run a business. Um, but the way that we've got our company set up right now, um, we are uh, all just working for profit share. So what we're doing is we're, we're laying the groundwork. You know, we've been doing this for a long time, really trying to uh, hone the game into something that's, that's got a lot of value and, and appeal and hoping that uh, that gamers in general will uh, will get excited about it and want to want to get on board to play it with their friends and um, uh, and and eventually uh, allow us to create a game for them, which is uh, fantastic and earns a bit of money, like enough for us to to keep our lights on and things. So uh, that's that's the goal. Uh, and it's it's really tough. So, you know, a lot of us have been like most of us have been working day jobs and doing this stuff on uh, on nights and weekends. So things take a really, really long time. Um, but uh, I'm extremely proud of uh, of what we've got and, and where we're at right now. Um, I think the, the game just looks awesome. These guys have done just an incredible job. And um, so hopefully everybody uh, everybody digs it. Good. We will cover that as we get to Kickstarter here. But before we do, um, Jared, talking about AI and how that uh, works in the games, I guess if you look at something like Attack uh, the Wall Street, a Titan game, and the new one, Legends of the Crawl, you can see you know where that would definitely be NPC. You can see how that would work with AI, etc. Were you involved with Treasure Tombs at all? Or when did you kind of join and begin that process? Mm-hmm. I will... For was that? sorry, um, for Wall Street Titan, I didn't do any of the AI or NPC control, and then I Treasure Tombs had mummies, and I think that's about it. That was that was all Brian, our programmer. So I started digging into AI with Legends of the Brawl. Okay, and that's I was when thinking I about started. wolves. Is that was that your piece about the wolf pack and some of their actions, etc.? Yeah, we were doing a little dev blog breakdown of the the wolf AI. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So. I have a little bit of understanding of that by watching mm-hmm. some people do, but if you want to kind of explain to the listeners, you know, what that entails and, and how that works, um, we'll, we'll eventually tell you what Legends of the Brawl is. Does someone want to explain the game? We should probably <laughs> right, right. do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it starts with the process. You know, we figure based on the level, any given level, we sort of pull our enemy selection from the theme of that. So for the, the level we're using for multiplayer sandboxing right now, there's a graveyard, you know, so we have scavenger enemies, we have, uh, skeletons, right? Just sort of a general theme, but it sort of we we pull again from that and set up a fast enemy type, a ranged enemy type, and then a big tanky enemy type to sort of mix up the combat a little bit and just to create a you know again it's all work in progress, so this is very basic prototyping stuff. But I use a plugin in Unity to set these these AI up called Behavior Designer, so a visual scripting tool because I'm not mainly a programmer. So I'm able to sit back and set up the, the AI trees to actually get you know all the, the characters running around doing their their basic pathfinding detection 
and then that's that's what you get. It's right there. It's it's a pretty simple process. There's a lot of balancing involved, but it's it all comes down to combat balancing, which is also a work in progress, of course. It may be a civil process, but there's a a ton to it. Um, yeah, it can go opportunities. It seems. It, yeah, it, you can get pretty technical. It's it's not the most exciting topic, but it's it, there's a lot of tuning, and it comes down to millimeters in the game. Really, it does milliseconds and millimeters, and the animation timings, and like you mentioned, the collision, collision detection on both sides, and then of course it gets all mocked up in the multiplayer side of things too. So, lots of testing. You know, I haven't stopped doing QA. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a big challenge to get uh, all of this AI along with like four player co op and multiplayer, um, getting everybody showing up in the right spots and um, yeah you know with it's, especially with all the very like enemy types and balancing all of that there's a a, a lot of uh, a lot of work and fine tuning that goes into it but uh, yeah Jared's been doing a great job yeah my work in AI has sort of bled into systems design and combat design as well because I have to talk to our programmers I have to talk to the animators I have to tell them you know this moves too far forward this isn't timing right and it's just I get to deal with everybody because it's so involved and it bleeds into the multiplayer side of things as well uh, and that's coming up super fast so uh, we're we're launching the Kickstarter on October 11th um, next uh, just what one week from today yes um, and this is not and, your first uh, rodeo with Kickstarter, so how, how do you think a second round, have you learned from before, or has that uh, affected your kind of experience of planning this time around? Uh, well, yeah, I, I guess the first time around was for, you know, our, our, our first mobile game, and we, nobody knew who we were, nobody knew anything about the project, and we just sort of went in there thinking, well, you know, we've got this this kind of cool game, Let's get it out in front of people and um, and see if we can't basically get some money for marketing and such. Um, and uh, it went terribly. <laughs> so, um, but uh, we did learn some some great stuff from that, and um, it wasn't a, a total loss as we uh, we got introduced to some really great publishers um, and some other industry people uh, that have helped out along the way. Um, they they helped out a lot in. In getting our our game, our first game polished up, and getting our our second game, Treasure Tombs, um, put together and and out and published. So um, we we did learn a lot of things not to do. Uh, and for this game, I mean, we're for this Kickstarter, we're really trying to do everything uh, as absolutely right as we can. So you know, we we really wanted to launch this like a year ago. But we knew that the game just wasn't where it needed to be to be shown. Uh, we wanted to uh, have something that was already playable, that was obviously like a really quality project um, to sort of help con- convince people, you know, that uh, that it's real and that we definitely can deliver on what we're saying we can. Um, and uh, I think uh, I think we're we're doing a good job. Uh, time's getting short. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you certainly have a history of games people can look and see, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, you will get what you want. At this point, if you fund, what are you asking for? Is this for independent living <laughs> and self-supporting, or is this basically to get the time to to invest all of you into into Legends? So, I mean, the our our budget that we're asking for is sixty five k, which for some indie games 
can be on on the higher side um the, as far as like a, a kickstarter funding goal um in terms of actual development budget it's like a drop in the bucket mm-hmm. so you know if i was going to go to a publisher with this this concept and and even with this team and say you know we we're building this this big four player co-op uh action game with uh you know numerous heroes that are going to be expanded via dlc and uh, a ton of maps and you know this this crazy world and building this new franchise i mean we'd have to ask for you know some multiples of millions of dollars to get the thing launched um and so the 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 kickstarter budget really is to help us get um uh get everybody working full time or at least a, a core group working full time so like i said before you know we're uh, uh m- most of us have been working day jobs uh, in addition to this so um kickstarter means that our guys can then transition to uh doing you know 40 hours uh, a week um uh, on the game which will really speed up development will help our quality um and get the project moving along and uh and push us to like a core foundational product so legends of the brawl is not going to be um a uh, like a, a play it once and put it on the shelf type of game it's uh it, it's meant to be um a, a game that you play over the course of years and you keep leveling up your guys and expanding your roster of um uh, of heroes um a, a lot the way that like heroes of the storm and and other mobas do um but uh you know instead of like uh, a dps heavy strategy game this is really uh twitchy gameplay skill based combat and um you know sort of just fast crazy um uh crazy fun you know uh punching your your friends and things so a little bit of like super smash brothers in there uh where you can just sort of be goofy with each other um and you'll see some of that stuff on our our kickstarter page uh and um Golden Axe is a, a reference. Yeah, so we're trying really to push to, like I say, get this minimum product out on uh, on Steam, which will be, you know, a handful of environments and uh, and a few characters are going to be really fun to play and really solid. But um, the the plan is to uh, expand the game over time. So we're quite realistic about what we can deliver for that budget. And uh, it'll still be a really great experience. It's just that we're going to, um, you know, as uh, as we're able to get revenue from game sales and uh, hopefully some early access to if people like it, um, then uh, that'll help us to expand our roster because the ultimate vision of the game is is pretty huge. We want to cover a, a ton of different environments and a, a ton of heroes. I mean, there's some really, really interesting people you know, you, you mentioned Teddy Roosevelt and Tesla and Lizzie Borden that we've got currently in the game. But there's other guys like Mark Twain that would be really fun. Um, H.P. Lovecraft is a guy that we're definitely going to be putting in. And um, not only uh, is his character design super cool, he's got this this big, like, uh, his spiky Necronomicon attached to a, a chain, uh, which is, like, symbiotically attached to him. You'll, you'll see all this concept stuff on the Kickstarter page. But um, because it's him, uh, and we've got uh, Rasputin, who's basically bringing people's nightmares to life, so there's going to be a lot of actual Cthulhu guys showing up in uh, in the game. Um, 
but other characters would be really interesting to play, like uh, Harriet Tubman or uh, or Mahatma Gandhi. These these guys would be, um, you know, really interesting to s- explore in a in a game kind of uh, capacity. And um, uh, like uh, Amelia Earhart, you know, I, I guess she just like gets lost a lot. You know, <laughs> oh, um, <ouch. laughs> but, but like Houdini and Mark Twain. I mean, there's just some really great characters from this this time period. We're sort of targeting this 1905 to 1915 area, and uh, it's it's really ripe for uh, exploration. And games haven't really hit that time period much. There's a lot of games that are Victorian, sort of Jack the Ripper. Um, you know the sort of foggy London kind of stuff, and then there's some World War One and a lot of gangster things. So in between there, that that period doesn't get a lot of love, but there really are some some really interesting characters there that'll be really fun to explore and play as. What platforms will this come out for? So we're targeting first uh, Steam um, PC, oh, and really? uh, because it's Unity. This means that um, we should have a pretty easy time porting it to Mac and, and Linux. Um, we're we're not promising those right off the bat, but we're going to see. And if there's a lot of demand, then we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely hit those platforms. Uh, we are approved to publish um, on uh, Xbox One and PlayStation Four. So uh, our plan is to uh, to take Kickstarter. Get the game on early access on Steam. Have the community help uh, help us like decide what to do with the game. Basically, like what characters to put in, what environments we're going to go to, um, and you know some of the the most fun pieces, and uh, also sort of depending on the community to let us know what's less fun. So we'll we'll take that stuff out or de-emphasize it. Um, so once we release on Steam, um, we'll be immediately working on uh, some. DLC packs, and um, uh, and then a port to Xbox One. And once that's complete, um, it, our our team will again continue to be working on DLC. And then so there will be sort of like a an, an ultimate package that we'll be able to release on uh, on Xbox One and PlayStation Four. So we'll be porting those things over uh, over time. And if we manage to hit some some nice stretch goals on Kickstarter. Uh, we can deliver a lot more content, um, but for the the minimum budget, yeah, it's we've got uh, we we lay out exactly what we're going to deliver uh, on Steam for that uh, initial initial batch, and we'll just keep expanding it over time. It should be a lot of fun. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, other than darktonic.com, is there a place that people can go to kind of follow this? Uh, I assume. Obviously Kickstarter, but I'm sure you don't have a link quite live there yet. So where would you like people to go to find info for this? Um, we uh, so we've done a terrible job on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll be putting together uh, a legendsofthebrawl.com website soon. If you go there right now, it's just going to take you to our Facebook page. Um, but I mean, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, we've got a page on NDDB, and our Steam Greenlight page will be going up really soon. Um, and the Kickstarter page will be launched really quickly too. And, uh, probably what we'll do is, uh, put out our, our Kickstarter link as a preview for people just to get some initial feedback from people that are already, you know, like following us on social media and, uh, see what they have to say about some of the, the preliminary stuff and make a few last minute changes. Um, but it shouldn't be hard to find, uh, find that information. And we do try to keep, 
uh, Facebook updated with uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of fun like screenshots and gifs and things because there's there's some pretty crazy moments that uh, that happen in the game and that's that's what we're really hoping to see from uh, other people playing the game and so once the the Kickstarter is done um, our main focus is going to be on getting a, a playable public demo that we can take around to shows and really start getting into people's hands. So, I mean, you got to be hands-on with our tech prototype, and um, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it looks nice, um, but it still has got, you know, plenty of issues and um, needs some full, like, uh, attention for the uh, objectives, yeah, to be run during the game. So all that will be put together, and, um, yeah, looking forward to actually getting people playing the game and seeing how they react to that exciting yeah okay well thank you guys for being on the show before we go i'm going to ask you to close with your favorite moment uh with the studio it can be a funny or serious moment share something that happened that you think uh would be interesting for people to get an insight into indie dev life not everybody all at once <laughs> yeah Odell, you go first <laughs> Odell's uh uh Oh geez, uh, funniest thing that's happened so far. Um, honestly, just just some of the back and forth with writing. Um, uh, usually when I have new barks and things, I usually read through them in character, and everybody just gets a good hoot out of that and comes up with their own stuff and kind of throws yeah, things into you know throws more irons into the fire, and it's like, oh crap, why didn't I write that? That's a good one. <laughs> Thanks, Dave, for outstaging me. <laughs> um, the team, yeah. Project, but- yeah, <laughs> but it's my name. Um, yeah, so just just that, just the kind of camaraderie that comes with with writing things and 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 then getting feedback on that and kind of being surprised at, at some of the stuff that's like, why didn't I think of that? You know, little moments like that. Cool. I think yeah. uh, w- one of the the most fun or interest or comical moments is when bugs become features. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we originally put ragdolling into the game. Uh, so it's like when your character dies or gets hit really hard, they'll just kind of do this like flaccid body movement and, you know, they'll flail around using physics on the ground. And it was originally just meant for enemies, but one of our latest builds, uh, it got turned on for players. So <laughs> we're running around just shooting each other, ragdolling everyone. So, you know, you're shooting. I think we have a few funny gifts of just, you know, me running around shooting Eric off cliffs and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> It was it was really funny. It was a good day. Yeah, our our video capture sessions are hilarious. We're putting together a, a promo video for the Kickstarter now, and as as Dave said, little little weird bugs come crawling out of nowhere, and the randomest stuff happens. You know, for for a team that's all remote, we have a lot of fun together, just messing around on the builds, as broken as they are sometimes. That's true. It's hard to have a pizza party when uh, when everybody <laughs> lives on uh, yeah. like all over the place. We got FedEx me a slice. I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The box is uh, gonna sit on before you get it. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but yeah. So I mean, you know, we've got uh, we've got developers in uh, in Croatia and Belgium and the UK and uh, a bunch of us here all over the states, and it's a, a pretty pretty crazy way to work. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think I think Dave hit the nail on the head. I mean, the funniest stuff definitely has been these. Uh, these bugs that happen in in the game uh, unintentionally, and one of the first things that happened actually when they worked on the ragdoll system that was great, and we really should put a video of this up online, um, is uh, 
when one of the player characters ragdolls, another player is actually able to pick up their uh, their, <laughs> yeah. their dead body and just huck it somewhere. <laughs> so <laughs> that's one of the greatest things is like being able to, to chuck them into a group of enemies or a big stack of barrels or something like that. There's there's all sorts of crazy hygiene. So we're hoping to bring a lot more of that that kind of stuff to uh, to players and in, in, in the game here. Well, good luck with the Kickstarter, and everyone Thanks. will be watching. Thanks, Jensen.